Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to The Corporate Casket, a semi-weekly series where bad businesses go to die. We will discuss any and everything from bad charities, terrible CEOs, and people that have a lot to hide. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be digging into part two of OAN as a news organization. If you haven't taken a look at part one yet, I highly recommend doing so for some much needed context. As for today's episode, we're going to be talking about how OAN handles COVID, the Capitol, and the vaccine, all while talking to a current employee who we will be continuing to refer to as John to protect his identity. As we said previously, many of the employees at OAN don't even necessarily believe in what they're writing and representing. So how did they handle the misinformation around the pandemic and the attack at the Capitol? Well, that's what we're going to explore today. Uh, What I guess would you say is the worst misrepresentation of truth that you've seen? Just the most obvious, this is a lie. Why am I reporting on this kind of thing? Um, Well, it's probably a tie between the uh, Capitol insurrection on January 6th and the uh, just blatant false and slash anti-vax reporting that goes on every day. Okay. What, uh, we'll start with the anti-vax and the covid Obviously, the claims that we've seen come out of OAN have been, you know, don't get vaccinated and microchips and things like that. Uh, What have some of the claims that you've seen spread and have there been any that maybe we haven't seen too much or that I guess haven't been reported on that you've seen claimed around the office? Well, it depends really on when you watch because unlike, or rather, I, I shouldn't say unlike most news stations, I'm not privy to how most other news stations work. Um, but where I am, it is basically, you know, every writer is kind of expected to follow a certain, a certain spin. And that's what, I mean, most news stations do that to an extent, though not really to the extent that OEN really pushes it. So uh, if you're watching kind of like in the day, you might see like, oh, hey, this story is kind of making me mildly worried about getting vaccination versus a uh, Pearson story, which is he's our investigative journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll throw out like, he'll, he'll just blatantly uh, lie and misrepresent Paris data to the point where he effectively says that the vaccines are killing more people than they're saving, which is patently false. But he still pushes that idea. And he's one of the two or three writers that has basically unchecked privileges when it comes to doing any kind of story they want because uh, Mr. H uh, is just on board with anything they have to say. Does Mr. H have any idea where Pearson gets his information? Does he have any sources for anything that he's claiming? Or is Pearson just kind of pulling these things out of thin air? I I would say that Pearson's probably pulling it from there, if not just from like, oh, some random person said this. But for the most part, it's twisting of actual data. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you probably know there's this, uh, the ERS. Um, yeah. They have all the data when it comes to COVID vaccines and all that stuff. And he will twist the data to fit a narrative that it doesn't represent. So he, he'll just lie 
effectively on camera for about 10, 20 minutes saying that, oh, you know, these vaccines are killing more people than they're saving, um, among other uh, falsehoods. It's, there, there's so much bullshit. It's a chore and a half to even listen to one of those stories. From here is where Ali asked John if Pearson believed anything he was writing, and they moved on to discussing if the employees at OAN genuinely have faith in what they're reporting, the clip that was already played previously. As for VAERS, or the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, I wanted to take a look at the data they're posting and what Pearson has been claiming to further verify what John said. There have been recent concerns about vaccines being effective against the Delta variant and the other variants that are coming out and about losing effectiveness over time, though nothing about the vaccine itself doing more harm than good. So let's take a look at the same data Pearson apparently uses and see how we view it. After downloading the 2021 VAERS report, which apparently nearly crashed my computer, it's so massive, I took a long look among the thousands and thousands of pages. Now, obviously I'm not able to take a look at every single little thing in this report, but in many of the cases I saw, rest, fluid, and sometimes Advil generally took care of these symptoms. Chills, body aches, general pain, especially near the vaccination site. Yes, all of these things were common. Some symptoms were as brief as fatigue, while others say they were vomiting and had a fever. However, what I did not see was a report that said death following vaccine. Many of these sounded like flu symptoms, which as the World Health Organization tells us are pretty common side effects. Now let's take a look at how Pearson breaks down the data about vaccines. On July 15th, 2021, a clip called fact-checking the coronavirus vaccines, Pearson claims, quote, From the very start of the pandemic, One American News has reported on the news the mainstream corporate media won't touch, such as the efficacy of hydroxychloroquine used to treat the Chinese virus. Owen was was viciously attacked for those reports, which have since been proven by the scientific community to be 100% accurate. Now, Now, OAN is once again under fire for breaking the mainstream narrative and reporting on the troubling side effects caused by the various coronavirus vaccines. These include severe flu-like symptoms, diarrhea, vomiting, Bell's palsy, anaphylaxis and shock, deadly heart inflammation, and death. Cases of Guillain-Barre syndrome after receiving the Johnson & Johnson vaccine are also on the rise with the CDC now investigating the potentially paralyzing side effects. But these clear demonstrable cases caused by the vaccines aren't getting any attention and agencies like Reuters are even questioning OAN's reporting on the subject. So first of all, within this clip, they cite a New York Times article. So which is it, darling? Is this rare nerve syndrome not getting enough attention or is it being reported on by the New York Times, one of the many news organizations they've harshly criticized? Secondly, I found the article that Pearson flashed across the screen quite easily. And what he fails to mention about it is that the Food and Drug Administration stated the vaccine continues to find the known and potential benefits outweigh the risks and quote, In a statement, the agency says that while the available evidence suggests an association between the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and the increased risk of Guillain-Barre syndrome, it is insufficient to establish a causal relationship. Could there be a relationship in these 100 people with this syndrome and the vaccine? Absolutely, but it's too soon to tell for sure. So to recklessly present this as fact is upsetting, especially to the medical community. 
What worries me most is that it reinforces the lack of confidence that people had, said Dr. Stephen Black, an emeritus professor of pediatrics at Cincinnati Children's Hospital Medical Network and the co-director of the Global Vaccine Data Network, a consortium that researches the safety of vaccines. They say, aha, see, I was right, but they're not right. The risk is low enough, he added, that for people trying to make a rational decision, this should not influence their decision to get vaccinated. So Pearson's language, where he acts as if the medical community is actually behind him, simply is not true. And as for the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine, the FDA has and still does caution against it. Clinical trials have shown that neither hydroxychloroquine nor lopinavir-ritonavir showed any significant result for decreasing COVID-19-associated hospitalization or secondary clinical outcomes. The trials by infectious disease doctor Christine Johnson for hydroxychloroquine were launched at the end of March, 2020. And as I'm sure many of us unfortunately remember, it was being touted as a treatment in April. Yet once the treatment trial ended in February, Johnson said that it had no effect in treating people. So I would love to see Pearson's source about OAN's claims to be 100% correct and proven by the scientific community. Maybe as John implied could be the case, he simply pulled that one out of thin air. OAN promised to reveal where their information comes from so that, as Pearson puts it, one news agency can provide some transparency. He began by stating that Veyers has been reported to be unreliable and it is unconfirmed, but that was only partially correct as Veyers is a government platform. I will say that as I was reading through the Veyers report, it was kind of funny the amount of spelling and punctuation errors you'll find. Sure, the names, ages, and genders of people may be correct, but the comments that you know you could find, well, they kind of read like a comment section from a video. Chills and fevers, spelled F-V-E-R-S, for example, could be a comment you'll find under a side effects for a Veyers report. While I'm not saying it means someone didn't experience those side effects, the reliability and verifiability is most certainly questionable. Pearson claims that many of these reports that go into VAERS are from medical professionals. And while some of them seem to be as like the blood pressure readings and things of that nature, the ones that just read fatigue are nothing more and don't really convince me that the vaccine is dangerous. Pearson also reports that sources such as AP News make it sound as if right-wing conspiracy theorists are using VAERS to make false reports. Once again, this circles back to what John said the company's philosophy was and how it became a very much like a assuming the worst of others mentality and that they need to attack the liberal news organizations before AP and Reuters can get them. Which by the way, I find incredibly ironic considering that their packages are often AP and Reuters packages, but okay, I guess go off. Anyway, I found that AP news article Pearson mentioned as well to see what it really said. And here's what the article actually states. Claim, screenshots of the vaccine adverse event reporting system show people who have died after receiving the COVID-19 vaccine. AP's assessment, missing context. The VAERS system is an unverified reporting system that does not determine if a vaccine caused the events that are reported. The facts, as more and more Americans receive the COVID-19 vaccine, posts online are using data from an adverse event reporting system to cast doubt on the vaccine. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, which run the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, are quick to note the limitation of the data, which serve as an early signal to detect issues with any vaccines. VAERS was created in 1990 to give anyone from healthcare professionals to the general public the chance to submit reports. The data is publicly available online. The CDC says on its website that reports submitted to VAERS often lack details and sometimes contain errors. 
The AP went on to explain that posts online often share various screenshots without context. They'll post the age of someone that was vaccinated, the day they received a vaccine, and the day they died to suggest people are dying of the vaccine, not any other underlying conditions or adverse effects. Dr. James Campbell, professor of pediatrics and infectious diseases at the University of Maryland School of Medicine stated that, there are spikes of reporting on various things and some people unfortunately use VAERS inappropriately. Any symptoms can be reported by VAERS by anyone. Nowhere in this AP article does anyone mention that conspiracy theorists are sharing these, that Republicans are using this data or that right-wing people are spreading it. To AP's credit, politics wasn't actually brought into this article, not even once. But Pearson threw this article up on the screen and in essence said, the left thinks we're crazy for being concerned about sick people. When the reality is that an apolitical article said, hey, VAERS information isn't all that reliable and people are misusing it. If OAN's only source is VAERS and they continue to get different results from medical professionals when they attempt to interpret it, then perhaps it's them who need to take a step back and question how they're looking at the information that's being presented. In the next OAN episode, Pearson says that pregnant women have suffered miscarriages after the vaccine about 14% of the time. And once again, this is based on VAERS data. But even if that's true, that's about the expected rate of miscarriages among the general population. Miscarriages are actually fairly common, even if they aren't discussed much, and they can range from 10 to 20%. Age does play a role as well as known risk factors, but it does happen. So yeah, while 14% of pregnant women having a miscarriage may sound alarming, it's not as if they received it directly after the vaccine. It's just something that happens statistically. To clarify, the rate itself has not risen. 14% is in line with the national average. The vaccine has nothing to do with that number. I think it's safe to say that we can once again corroborate John's story here with other sources. If I tried to debunk every single claim about COVID that Pearson made, we would literally be here all day. So aside from the downright misinformation though, there's also been some incredibly misleading quotes from OAN that paint the vaccine in a negative light or at the very least a questionable one. So let's get back to listening to Allie and John's interview about that. There was a story quite some time ago, a friend of mine edited where he was trying to splice something Chelsea Clinton said into a like they were talking about vaccines. This was 2020. Um, vaccine talk, all that stuff. It was a podcast Chelsea Clinton did with some kind of doctor or something like African uh, helper, you know, like uh, giving vaccines and stuff in Africa. And they had these two completely different conversations within like a 20 minute time period. And in one of the conversations, they were talking about giving out uh, vaccines. And in another one, they were talking about surveying. And it would basically, they wanted. Uh, the, the clip could be spliced up so it was saying something to the effect of like, oh yeah, we went to, um, you know, we, uh, we, were, we were getting vaccines to everyone and then like cut, to, like have a little like big flash of cuts going into every single house, uh, making sure everyone, uh, making sure everyone was there, uh, you know, uh, just surveying everybody. So it was like basically trying to make it so like, uh, we militaristically went into every single house, gave everyone their vaccines, all that sort of thing. And um, that was kind of nicked in the bud, like, uh, we, we can, uh, you know, we, we put up with the bullshit to the point where it's like, you know, we'll, we'll take a piece of a clip and throw it up, but we're not manipulating conversations. We're not going to uh, make anyone sound like they're saying something else if we can help it. If you're going to try to make us do that, then you're going to have to fight with us because 
because we know that we can win this comp. We know we can win this argument because all we need to tell Mr. H is if this airs, we will get sued. <laughs> Sort of. The, the, the most manipulative Odin gets when it comes to voice clips is just showing a small piece of what someone said and then, like, failing to explain proper context behind it. Like, we'll show uh, Biden say something, and it's like, oh, Biden. Uh, I mean, this is just, like, an example that I'm making up because I can't think of one off the top of my head. But if Biden said something like, um, uh, I, I, I don't like news outlets, that lie, like, we'll cut it down. It's like, I don't like news outlets, and it's like, oh, Biden hates the free press, all that shit. You know, it's that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it's just taking snippets and throwing them up there with the least amount of context and being like, oh, didn't this sound bad? It's like, well, yeah, it sounds bad. Play the rest of it. As I've already talked about the way OAN reports the news, I won't dwell on the latter part of the interview much. It's fairly self-explanatory why it's harmful. Instead, let's focus on the specific example that John gave us. Partners in Health co-founder was on episode five of the podcast, Why Am I Telling You This? from the Clinton Foundation. And now let me say, yes, I do have absolute issues with the Clinton Foundation and I will be discussing them in a future episode. Whether you like or dislike the Clintons though, this is about honest reporting and integrity. In OAN's news segment, Paul Farmer states this. Let's go to every household, ask people what's going on there, meaning find out who has access to family planning, which kids have been vaccinated, how many people live in the household. Yet, as John explained when he emailed this to us, the reality of the quote is that he's recalling a study they had done and going step-by-step into the process, while we seem to frame it as his endorsement of committing to the act in response to COVID-19. Here is the actual quote. It's not really a hospital. It's just not a hospital. And again, I could see that at the time. We could say, is there a way for us to assess the main problems here? And the first team that we had said, let's go to every household, ask people what's going on there, meaning find out who has access to family planning, which kids have been vaccinated, how many people live in the household. We weren't trying to do an epidemiological study. We were just trying to say, what are the ranking problems here? Could we find out? And then the community health workers were called CHVs. And it's hard to be a volunteer if you've got six kids and other things to do. Saying, let's go in and find out who's been vaccinated can be read, especially to an audience that's anti-vax as a militaristic enforcement of making people get the vaccine. They claim it sounds like mass surveillance when again, in actuality, Dr. Paul was talking about building clinics and surveying poorer countries like Haiti, Rwanda, and Mexico. At about two minutes into the video, OAN provides this quote. Chelsea Clinton, you're able to treat people in Haiti as well as you're able to treat people in Boston. Paul Farmer, maybe it was that preparation in the United States, which of course I knew to be a land of bounty. And I actually, Chelsea Clinton, bounty hoarded and not equally distributed or accessible. Paul Farmer, exactly. The reality of this quote is that the first conversation came several minutes earlier. Paul Farmer, Here's people coming in who don't have an emergency and they're coming into a university medical center emergency room. Why? Because the safety net would not otherwise catch them. Maybe it was that preparation in the United States, which of course I knew to be the land of bounty that I actually, Chelsea Clinton, bounty hoarded and not equally distributed or accessible. Paul Farmer, exactly. 
Then several minutes later, Chelsea Clinton says the following statement. And yet today there are incredibly sophisticated procurement plans, logistics, infrastructure underneath all of what Partners in Health does. And you're delivering tertiary care. You're able to treat people in Haiti as well as you're able to treat people in Boston. Can you just talk about the journey from 1983 to now? When John sent these clips to us, he said in an email that he doesn't actually know the full legality of OAN quoting the podcast in this way. This has actually been thrown into question before as a matter of fact. Back in 2010, Shirley Sherrod from CNN said she wanted to consider a defamation suit against Breitbart, another right-wing news organization, who posted an edited video of her without context that made her look discriminatory. She was criticized and even fired, though once the full tape was released, she was offered her job back. The lawsuit was resolved privately on confidential terms, though this is a relatively similar case in terms of making someone say something they didn't or removing important context that leads to some nasty implications. Proving what OAN has done is definitively libel, and that would absolutely make for a fascinating court case. I can't prove what they've done is or isn't libel, and I'm definitely not a lawyer who specializes in this sort of thing, but illegal, lawsuit-worthy or not, this behavior is shady, damaging, and incredibly irresponsible at the beginning of a pandemic. Ironically though, OAN does take COVID seriously, just not publicly. In a follow-up email, John said that, and I quote, Obviously, we air stories on the regular about COVID and vaccines, but we have signs and whatnot all around the building that encourage social distancing, mask wearing, and proper hygiene when washing hands. On top of that, we got extra sick time for anyone suffering from the immediate effects of soreness, headaches of the vaccine. The one we keep touting is killing people, end quote. John also stated that one of the OAN teams got it after traveling as well as one of the writers. I can't confirm this as obviously I don't have access to those medical records. Even so, it's hardly a surprise if the OAN employees are getting COVID when they've been forced to go to work, even when the pandemic was in full swing. It makes me feel horribly for employees like John that fully recognize that they should be at home and it makes me infuriated at those who are too ignorant to care about their workers' safety. But moving forward, now you've seen at least a few significant examples about the misrepresentation in terms of the pandemic. So let's get into the misrepresentation when it comes to the Capitol. Before we talk about the insurrection, this is where I'm going to place today's sponsor because I wanna thank these sponsors for being able to step in and allowing the team to produce amazing content like this to present to all of you. So here's your breather before we get into absolute hell. Fall is here, the temperature is finally dropping and becoming much more comfortable. And now we have another excuse to ditch everything and just stay home. And as much as I love that, I don't really love meal planning or dragging myself to the grocery store. Luckily there's HelloFresh, so I don't have to do that. HelloFresh sends fresh pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering recipes right to your door so you can skip the store and get right to the fun part. HelloFresh is endlessly customizable, so there's something for everyone. Whether you need family-friendly meals, low-calorie or vegetarian options, they've got it all. They offer over 50 recipes a week in a variety of flavors, cuisines, and ingredients. And HelloFresh also offers a ton of flexibility. You can customize your order every week, change your delivery day, or skip a week entirely. Whatever works for you and your busy life during the spooky season. So go to hellofresh.com casket14 and use code casket14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's up to 14 free meals, including free shipping at hellofresh.com casket14 with code casket14. So 
So at this point, we've all had experiences with wireless providers that have endless fine print contracts. So when I finally heard that Mint Mobile offered premium wireless service that started off at just $15, it didn't sound super legit, right? It sounds fake, like there has to be some kind of catch, right? And the truth is that there really is no catch. They're just kind of awesome. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they just cut out brick and mortar stores. And so all of that overhead is no longer a cost that gets passed down to you. And I have to tell you recently, I got one of my employees a work phone, right? And just everything that could have happened with this phone when it was delivered, like went wrong. Like the phone number that got set up to it was wrong. Like the billing got double charged. Like it was a mess. And she was on the phone for, I kid you not, maybe less than 10 minutes, somewhere between five to eight minutes and everything was cleaned up, fixed, charges reversed, and everything was as it was supposed to be. And the phone works perfectly and the service is great. And obviously I can get in touch with her when I need to. And all of their plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus you can keep your old phone number and your old phone if you want to as well. You don't have to get a new phone and a new phone number. You can keep it with the classics. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, make sure you go to mintmobile.com slash casket. That's mintmobile.com slash casket. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash casket. We'll start with the interview. When it comes to the Capitol insurrection, we talked a little bit about anti-vax, but with the Capitol, what happened there? We know, of course, the misinformation that came out of OAM, but can you tell me a little bit more about that? And uh, I guess how these writers felt, because I have to wonder if some of them are left-leaning, were they maybe even upset by what they were writing? We had a pretty mass exodus of writers. Um, Like a lot of them decided like, oh, this is just not good, and they just left. Yeah, just it became too much. Can you tell me a little bit more yeah. about the reporting that surrounded it? Yeah, um, you know, it was like, you know, we had uh, obviously the spin like, oh, hey, you know, these are just honest Americans voicing their opinions. And then, uh, you know, very casually dialing away from people that were chanting, hang Mike Pence and uh, among other things. Though, um, you know, after the facts, it was it, it was just all reporting on like, oh, the victims, oh, Ashley Babbitt, she was such a loving, caring mother who was trying to overthrow a democratically uh, certified election. And it's, yeah, it was, it was pretty gross. Like, anytime there was a, uh, there were murmurs, I mean, even recently, because right now there's that whole um, Gen 6 uh, probe that's going on, I think. I, I don't know if they've, uh, if they've got that all settled or whatever. But because it's been in the news, all of our coverage has effectively been on, like, uh, the, the, the quote-unquote victims of the January 6th insurrection being the, uh, the people trying to overthrow the government and those who uh, got hurt or are in jail. We've been doing a lot of stories on abuse in prison, uh, being mostly like, oh, this guy isn't getting vegan food or this person. You know, prison isn't, isn't being super nice to this guy. Mm, prison isn't point. catering that to them, yeah. Once again, we can absolutely see this in OAN's reporting. OAN has reported that Ashley Babbitt, one of the Capitol rioters, was murdered and deserves justice. They've interviewed the family attorney who states that officers are not supposed to use more force than necessary to accomplish a lawful purpose. Dan Ball, one of the journalists and anchor here, also states that there were officers in the rear of the crowd making their way towards Ashley Babbitt and the transom window she was trying to climb through. This is a window within a door inside of a building. 
The thing is, Ashley was not the only one there. They make it sound, in my opinion, as if Ashley Babbitt was just kind of there hanging around and that these officers just had to deal with her and therefore they should have used less force. But the reality of the situation is, is that there are dozens of rioters just within the footage they air, proving that they did need to use force. Although OAN claims there were a host of officers there, they neglect to mention just how many rioters were there and how overwhelming they were, according to NBC News. The Justice Department released a statement in April clearing the officer of any criminal wrongdoing. The statement said in part that the investigation revealed no evidence to establish that at the time the officer filed a single shot at Miss Babbitt, the officer did not reasonably believe that it was necessary to do so in self-defense or in the defense of members of Congress and others evacuating the House chamber. Ashley Babbitt was also a QAnon supporter, though we will get into that dangerous support OAN has of Trump and all of these shenanigans in just a bit as it's a bit more of a vast topic. As for the reporting on the insurrection, John is right when he says that the reporting has gotten incredibly out of hand at OAN. For example, OAN defended the January 6th participant that sat at Pelosi's desk, and Dan Ball has even suggested that the photo of this particular rioter, Richard Barnett, was staged. Here's the conversation between McBride, Barnett's attorney, and the OAN reporter, Dan Ball. McBride, you know, we argue that it may not even be a trespass because of trespass requires volition and he was pushed in through open doors. We have it on video where he's saying, they're pushing, they're pushing, oh man, we're going in. I guess there's no turning back now. He gets pushed in. He winds up in Speaker Pelosi's office, no signage on the door. The doors are wide open. He walks into reporters who are there from the AFP waiting in the office surrounded by other people. They say, hey, do you know where you are? I don't know where I am, but you're in the Speaker Pelosi's office. How about you sit down and take a picture and act natural? Sits down, takes a picture, a cell phone in his hand. He obviously didn't take the picture himself and the rest is history. Ball, whoa, 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 hold on, let me interrupt. Joseph, hold on, reporters, I mean, because this sounds more and more like a setup. I didn't know these details here. Who were these people who took the picture? McBride, you know, if you just, a quick Google, I don't wanna give names because I'm actively litigating the case. Just because a reporter took the photo doesn't mean that Barnett didn't want it taken. He actively told reporters that he left a note on Pelosi's desk, referring to her as a bitch. It's blatantly clear that Barnett wanted to be there. He even called himself a nationalist prepared for a violent death and continually defends his actions. Treating Barnett like a victim who was in the wrong place at the wrong time? Yeah, it's despicable after he unabashedly attacked democracy. OAN and Dan Ball especially have said quite a few despicable and upsetting things in recent months though. Earlier this year, Texas Democrats walked out in protest of new voting bills that were introduced, which would make it harder for people to vote and disproportionately affect people of color. Texas Democrats left their post to keep this from passing and Dan Ball suggested they would be charged with treason. OAN, specifically Pearson, has also suggested that those involved in the 2020 voter fraud would be put to death. He stated, and I quote, Whether or not you believe the 2020 presidential election, the simple facts point to massive and widespread problems with voting integrity. These problems range from missing ballots to ballots that were mysteriously flipped from Trump to Biden to entire states like Texas banning certain voting machines after investigations revealed they were prone to hacking and foreign interference. To election observers in multiple states being blocked from watching the ballots to poll workers on camera repeatedly scanning the same batch of ballots over and over again. Despite their best efforts, the radical Democrats left fingerprints all over the country, providing a trail of evidence that the 2020 election was not only tampered with, but actually overthrown. 
which raises even more questions about exactly how many people were involved in these efforts to undermine the elections. Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands? How many people does it take to carry out a coup against the presidency? And when all the dust settles from all the audits in Arizona and the potential audits from Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Wisconsin, what happens to all these people who were responsible for overthrowing the election? What are the consequences for traitors who meddle with our sacred democratic process and tried to steal power by taking away the voices of the American people? What happens to them? Well, in the past, America had a very good solution for dealing with such traitors, execution. First and foremost, voter fraud did not overthrow the 2020 election. Most claims of fraud were very particularized to a set of circumstances which have been followed up on. There has been no fraud that could possibly change the outcome of the election. And the fact that I even need to say this in 2021 is concerning. Even Republican senators have found these claims ludicrous and found no evidence whatsoever to suggest voter fraud after months long investigations. It's gotten ridiculous enough that auditing groups have literally analyzed ballots to be sure that they don't contain bamboo fibers to debunk the conspiracy that the ballots were flown in from Asia. The fact that OAN still, as of late June, 2021, and well after the Capitol insurrection, uses this kind of language about executing those involved in a fraud that didn't exist is dangerous. And on that note of voter fraud, because of these unfounded claims, Dominion Voting System have come after OAN and are suing them, as well as right-wing network Newsmax for spreading misinformation. NPR posted an article in August, 2021 that reads as follows. Newsmax and OAN knowingly and continuously sold the false story of election fraud in the 2020 presidential election with Dominion cast as the villain, a representative for Dominion told reporters last week. The suit also names OAN CEO Robert Herring as well as his son, OAN President Charles Herring, the chief White House correspondent for OAN, Chanel Ryan, and a network personality, Christina Bob. Dominion has also sued Patrick Byrne, the former CEO of Overstock. He appeared often on OAN and was interviewed as an expert, but similarly spread misinformation about Dominion and the 2020 election, the suit alleges. Dominion is suing Newsmax, OAN, and Byron for a minimum of $1.6 billion each. OAN did not immediately respond to a request for comment, but in a statement issued to NPR, a representative for Newsmax said that they have not yet received the lawsuits, but defended their reporting. While covering the 2020 election, Newsmax simply reported on allegations made by well-known public figures, including the president, his advisors, and members of Congress, their statement reads. Mike Lindell, yes, the MyPillow guy that I've talked about quite a bit, has been another public figure that we've discussed more times than I would like to ever speak about again. And he's another individual that's responsible for a lot of these Dominion voter fraud claims. And Mike Lindell is someone that at this point, I believe I've talked about in two separate episodes here. I believe I've done one or two Twitch streams on him on my Twitch. And I believe I've also done two to three videos on my second channel, Illuminati. I've talked about him more than I would like to admit, but the damn man cannot shut the fuck up and he just keeps digging his hole. And it's so morbidly fascinating to watch, but Anyway, his con has essentially imploded spectacularly. Even though Mike Lindell has proved that he has irrefutable proof that the election was stolen, he never stepped forward with it. We debunked the proof he displayed in his joke of a documentary featuring experts with no qualifications whatsoever. Lindell even held a symposium where he promised to go through with his evidence for 72 hours, but before the three days were up, most of his audience had left. One of his speakers, Tina Peters, a Mesa County clerk, is actually under investigation by authorities for a strange incident that resulted in the county's election software passwords being posted online. 
Lindell himself hurried off stage the moments after a federal judge ruled that Dominion's lawsuits against him and multiple others would proceed. But anyway, let's get back to Allie and John. We've, we've talked about um, Mike Lindell and how he's getting sued by, you know, these voting companies and things like that, because he is so very insistent that, you know, the vote, the vote was a lie and, and everything was a conspiracy and false ballots and everything like that. Well, it, it, it was. You'll find bamboo on the papers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so with with Mike Lindell, what is it that they think he has? Because we we've actually spoken about Mike Lindell and his supposed yeah, evidence. Yeah. So what is it that Mike Lindell supposedly has that makes OAN support him so much? Well, he has facts. You'll, you'll have to, you know, wait for him to, re- to release all the facts, but apparently he has the facts. And that's, that's what he has. So Honestly, he I, have no, I have no fucking clue what they think he has, but uh, I mean, I've done plenty of videos about it, uh, rather edited plenty of videos about it, and they all use the same fucking eight-month-old B-roll, so I don't know what news or what information he's got, but he hasn't shown it for eight months at least. He has facts, and we just have to trust that he has facts. So Yeah, exactly. It's to the point, actually, where, um, so Dominion just, uh, I don't know if they just announced it. I'm pretty sure they, they only just announced it, but um, uh, OAN is now getting sued by Dominion, and as a result, OAN is now basically like, all right, well, I guess we got to be like 100% with Mike Lindell. So over the past two days, now going on three days, we've uh, been showing this cyber conference that Mike Lindell's doing, uh, airing exclusively just that, no actual um, news, just the conference. Okay. Wow. How how do you feel about (laughs) editing all that? Oh, I don't edit it. That's the thing. If it's just a live conference, then it's just uh, showing footage. I mean, we... So there's nothing happening other than the conference. It's just a constant live stream of his conference? Yes. Uh, on the channel, if you go on OAN right now, um, I don't know, know why you would, and I don't recommend it, but <laughs> is, uh, it, it, it's just uh, it's just the conference. And there is still, like, behind the scenes, we're still... The writers are still writing, the editors are still editing, and... Um, the shows are still recording, but aside from the shows, which are for this conference only airing later in the day, uh, pretty much all the stories are getting thrown out. So we're just being paid to edit stuff that's not going to see the light of day. And honestly, I don't really mind that all too much. Here, the conversation went elsewhere for just a brief moment, but then went back to Mike Lindell, hence the pause. John continues. Um, we all know it's fucking Mike Lindell hasn't shown any goddamn proof since he's been saying that he has some for the past couple of months. I watched his documentary. Yeah, I watched that. There was no proof. What What proof was that? There was nothing there. There was no proof. No, and, and, and half the time from all the people OAN brings on is experts are fucking experts. I think we had a mathematician on a while ago who's just like a fucking plumber from New Jersey. The mathematician was a plumber in New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, he, he could be brought on as an expert plumber, but last I checked, that's not a mathematician. As a point of correction, OAN's expert mathematician was not a plumber, but a swing set installer. Even so, those are two very different jobs. And I mean, no disrespect to whoever installs swing sets, obviously, but I think even you guys would agree that those are two completely separate jobs with two completely different qualifications. 
We saw Mike Lindell continually do this in his documentary, so it's no surprise that OAN also does this frequently. I cannot state for 100% fact that they genuinely do this half the time as John stated, because quite frankly, I'm not about to go through every single expert report OAN has ever featured to check their credentials. I would literally be here for years. But needless to say, OAN's reporting of the Capitol, the pandemic and voter fraud has all proven to be irresponsible, reckless and dangerous. So in our next and final episode, we won't talk about how they report on issues, not these three massive issues, but address OAN's values as a corporation. So this is the end of today's episode of The Corporate Casket. I hope you enjoyed it. Please make sure you're liking, following, and subscribing to stay up to date on the final part of this, but all other episodes that I post in the future. Thank you so much for making it through another absolutely insane, hard to believe episode, and I will see you in the next one. Bye.